It's time for the Security Token Show. We're here to bring you the latest and greatest in security token news. Coming from across the globe to your living room. And delivering all the latest STOs and getting you up to date on what's happening in the market. So what are you waiting for? Let's get on with the show. Welcome back to the Security Token Show, folks. We're your hosts. I'm Hurry Konings. This is Kyle Saleh. Hey, hey. As always, we're here to bring you the latest security token news here from sunny Miami, Florida. What a global conversation on the last. Always happy to be here, Kyle. Excited for a show. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, what's we going have on? a lot of news, Herwig. We've got everyone around the globe talking about tokenization, not just here in the United States, which for a long time, it seemed like the U.S. was really the only one leading the charge. Now, maybe they're behind the eight ball. But before we dive into everything going on in the top five industry news, trading segments, our main topic on international arbitrage and everything else, we want to thank our sponsor this week, which is Providence. You've heard of them before. They've been a sponsor of the show the last couple of weeks because they are an institutional enterprise blockchain. You've heard of Figure. They do home equity lines of credit, over $5 billion in tokenized debt. But Providence is more than that. They have a full suite of services, a whole team behind it trying to onboard additional institutional assets. And they're launching a marketplace to allow for the financing and secondary market activities through an ATS that they have partnered with. So they've got a lot of cool things. I also want to mention they are in the success network that we have live through Security Token Advisors, and they're hosting an exclusive panel with our very own Peter Gaffney and Anthony Morrow from their team at 1 p.m. on June 20th. You need to tune in if you want anything to do with this industry. So thanks a lot to Providence. Folks, if you are not already a subscriber to the STA Insights, where you get access to amazing events like this, an exclusive newsletter with premium intelligence, and you're missing out. But we've got the rest of it for you here right now. Let's get into the top five, Kyle. And kicking off our top five news this week, number five, we have Order Book and Security Token Market, the company that's behind putting on the show, the leading data company in the industry has now partnered with Order Book and AmbiSafe to bring their assets on to our listing platform to show off everything going on from the data side. Order Book has tokenized stocks, pre-IPO shares, including SpaceX, Robinhood, Kraken on the secondary market, as well as they've got a host of other ones on the primary side. That's like 2 million in asset caps to date, as well as all of their primary assets that they are bringing to market as well. And so they partnered with STM. They're now a, a data partner in our network alongside big names like Texture Capital and Archax, who both have registered licenses to transact and pull secondary markets and primary deals to market. So we're bringing together the community. Shout out to Orderbook for doing some amazing All things. right, Orderbook, love to see that. And moving into number four, big news out of the UK yet again from Archax, Kyle. Mm. We knew that they had some big news about their Aberdeen multi-money funds organization, but now they've got another primary offering for you to check out. It's actually called Suprafin. It's a crypto firm also out of the UK, and we're going to hear more about that with Jason in just a little bit. And then number three, Mitsui and Sony Bank with a partnership. These are retail targeted firms or retail targeted products, rather, and the firms themselves are based out of Japan 
huge institutional players that are trying to bring tokenized real estate to the masses through their Alterna offering. First, they, they're trying to do this DTC style of offering where it's actually mobile to allow anybody to be able to invest and participate for as little as like $700 in US dollars. I think it's like 100,000 Japanese yen. And so they did a couple of tokenized deals through their traditional SBI distribution platform. This is the first time they're really trying to go directly to those market, directly to those consumers, make the ease of use better. And they're using the MUFG Progmat platform powered by R3 to do it. Wow, that's good stuff, Mitsui. And Sony of Sony Group. That's mm. a really huge announcement. But... Number two, I think, is even bigger, Carl. I got to tell everybody about IBK, which is the state-owned bank in South Korea. You got Shinhan, and hopefully I'm saying all of them right, because that's a $55 billion bank as well. You got Wuru, uh, Wuru which is also an almost $100 million asset manager. And you got NH uh, in Korea, which is a $200 billion financial firm. And they're the ones behind uh, this new uh, STL Consortium, Kyle. Absolutely uh, right. South Korea, we've talked about, is on the rise. And now we are seeing a very strong banking consortium being put together here. I think we're going to start seeing a lot of proof of concepts get launched through this very, very soon, hopefully, Kyle. That is now the top three largest banks in Korea all joined NH's STO Consortium. Wow. And into number one, the number one headline you need to know is that the Bank of China gets into the security token game, this time launching an Ethereum-based structured product, $28 million, so the test size is relatively small, on Ethereum based out of Hong Kong. This comes from the Bank of China's investment banking arm, launching tokenized investment products. This is a pretty big deal because it wasn't too long ago that they banned all crypto and blockchain-based payments and infrastructure. Now they seem to have taken a full 180. And using Hong Kong to do it. Very cool to see all of this get wrapped together. That's our top five, folks. So let's head over to Peter Gaffney and get our institutional update. All right. Welcome back to the institutional updates. I'm Peter Gaffney, head of research at Security Token Advisors. Let's start over in Italy. So Italy's been building its name on the distributed ledger tech DLT side for a few years now already having about 100 small to medium banks onboarded to Spunta, which is an R3 Corda-based network used for interbank reconciling, a hot topic. More recently, last week, the Italian Banking Association has 18 banks participating in a wholesale CBDC trial with the Bank of Italy. I'm hoping this spills over to the tokenized deposit realm in some way, shape, or form, but it's another angle to really pay attention to when it comes to CBDCs, the Regulated Liability Network, RLN, and deposit tokens as a whole. To me, we can put this in a similar category as the SWIFT and the distributed ledger repo cases because once the interbank infrastructure is indeed live and active with CBDCs, and Italy can almost certainly onboard and make use of the network for other tokenized assets, including money market funds, government paper, even alternative assets like we see. Another step in the right direction, starting with CBDCs. But speaking of interbank transactions, JP Morgan deployed a platform in India to settle interbank dollar transactions on-chain across a handful of Indian financial institutions, including Axis Bank, ICIC Bank, Yes Bank, HDFC Bank, and Indus Ind Bank. The pilot program will be overseen and held in India's Gift City, which is essentially an innovation center designed to compete with nearby fintech juggernauts, Singapore and Dubai, who are pushing the space forward. The ultimate goal here is really round-the-clock transactions and settlement through JPM coin, JPMC, as the settlement mechanism. As of now, India's banking system is plagued 
plagued with multi-day delays, especially on the weekends and difficult operating hours relative to the U.S. markets. So participating banks need to onboard with JPM, be cleared by the International Financial Services Center Authority, and then they're good to go. And we can start transacting fully on-chain. So lastly, this initiative follows right behind the Reserve Bank of India's goal of developing a U.S. dollar-denominated market in Gift City. Perfect timing. Lastly, just to hammer home the narrative of global on-chain yield products we've been talking about all year, Open Eden has completed its integration with digital asset management platform FinBlocks to bring on-chain U.S. treasuries to Southeast Asia under the monetary authority of Singapore Mass. Its integration will specifically be targeting emerging markets, including the Philippines, Indonesia, India, and Vietnam. So this could be great for commerce and obviously would bring a sustainable yield solution to KYC members in these emerging markets, of which servicing these emerging markets has always been a key goal and a key thesis within the digital assets ecosystem, right, from the inception. So that's all for this week's institutional updates. Have a lot in the works over on the institutional front over here at STA uh, that I'm excited to share when we can. Until then, please enjoy our market updates next, all courtesy of Jason Barraza. Thank you, Peter. Welcome back to the market update. The security token market cap has pushed higher to over $17.25 billion. The big winner on this week is VidBAG, as the token has popped close to 10%. Archax, a digital securities exchange regulated by the UK Financial Conduct Authority, has listed a securities offering to raise capital for Superfin. According to the offering page, Superfin is raising funds at a pre-money valuation of £12 million. Superfin is hoping to raise a minimum amount of £1 million in equity with a minimum investment per investor of £25,000. Superfin is a crypto investment and risk intelligence firm. The company has a twofold mission. First, to help make good judgments on their crypto investments by incorporating their algorithms. And second, Superfan aims to support regulators as they assess the digital asset marketplace. Now, Geritex, a leading cryptocurrency exchange, has announced a strategic partnership with Seize Young Limited, a renowned financial services firm based in Hong Kong. The collaboration aims to establish and issue security token offerings in the form of stock tokens and real estate tokens, as well as cooperate in the development of Web3 technology. Additionally, Geritex plans to extend its presence by operating a new regional representative office in Hong Kong. The partnership between Geritex and Seize Young Limited marks a significant milestone for both companies as they join forces to explore the emerging field of tokenized securities. By leveraging blockchain technology, these STOs will enable investors to participate in the ownership and value appreciation of stocks and real estate assets through digital tokens. And finally, BlackRock, the world's biggest asset manager, last Thursday filed for what people are calling the BlackRock Bitcoin ETF. The SEC has yet to approve any applications for spot Bitcoin ETFs. However, it's important to note that this is actually a trust structure. The Bitcoin trust would allow investors to get exposure to the cryptocurrency as the asset class comes under intense regulatory scrutiny without buying it directly and allows for continuous issuance and redemptions. BlackRock's iShares Bitcoin Trust will use Coinbase custody as its custodian for the Bitcoin, according to a filing with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, and will use BNY Mellon as its cash custodian. The move comes at a time when the global cryptocurrency industry has been caught in the crosshairs of the U.S. securities regulator on alleged violation of securities laws. Earlier this month, 
The regulators sued major exchanges, Coinbase and Binance in high-profile lawsuits that reverberated through the digital assets industry. However, as it relates to the BlackRock news, let's remember that the lawsuit is alleging Coinbase is operating an unregistered broker, which has nothing to do with their custody business as the Coinbase Custody Trust Company is in fact a qualified custodian. That is all for now, but have an amazing rest of your week and we will see you next Monday. So crypto's been in the news lately, as it always is, this time with a lot of regulatory crackdown coming from the US and the SEC. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about last week, we certainly spent time talking about what might happen implications wise. This week, we wanna talk about the potential opportunities for international jurisdictions to really solidify themselves as innovation hubs with the new financial sector and what the potential arbitrage opportunities could be for firms that are looking to take advantage of the changes and differences in different regulatory environments, aren't we, Herbert? Regulatory arbitrage, Kyle. That's a very uh, a topical, uh, naturally, why we're bringing it up. Uh, given the fact that right now everything in the U.S. is murky, we've seen many companies, including Coinbase, mention that they would have to consider leaving the United States if the environment continues to stay as is. It just means to them that they can't functionally operate their business and they would rather seek a different jurisdiction to be able to power all of their different procedures, their compliance, bringing investor trust and protections. That's a big component to American markets. Uh, it would all be different somewhere else. And this is, as you pointed out, an opportunity, Kyle, because not uh, was it so easy back in the day for a company to go elsewhere and list and actually have access to a digital audience of investors. But of course, as we know, tokenization is changing all of that. And we're seeing opportunities like we've already seen in the security token market, like Merge and others who are in international waters and they can take advantage of their own regulatory structure to be able to create a better, easier environment for companies to list uh, on their marketplace and still be compliant and have a healthy you know, infrastructure for an investor ecosystem. So Kyle, I want to talk today about and tell everybody kind of like yeah. a couple of the different possible you know, things that might happen in the event that indeed we see massive US crypto companies like Coinbase say, hey, we're out of here. Right. So we've seen like in Europe, specifically in the UK, they just passed this MICA framework that allows for crypto assets, not just securities, by the way. This is all types of digital assets. And we're seeing some adoption of stable coins. So there's a lot of jurisdictions that are actually very favorable towards these technologies, even in the wake of what we've seen in the U.S. What are some of the opportunities there? Yeah, well, we, we see uh, specifically jurisdictions like the UK, which has a, a very strong financial market on its sure. own. Uh, we see Singapore, we see Switzerland, we see some of these hubs that have been very focused on crypto innovation. Uh, and they are now taking advantage of this new clarity and regulatory framework. And you've got companies like we just mentioned, Archax that are now listing others, and they can also do crypto trading. So now that we see companies like potentially Coinbase and others say, hey, we're going to go to the UK, that's a huge opportunity. Now they're bringing a, a host of innovation with them. Obviously, a huge user base that's now coming through uh, the UK and probably some tax benefits, no doubt, uh, for the country. Uh, and again, this isn't just in the US. Uh, naturally, we're seeing just an exodus, but this is really a, a co competition already amongst all countries today about saying, hey, who's come up with the best possible framework uh, to attract 
Uh, El Salvador being sort of the focus on Bitcoin yeah. naturally has attracted its own community as an example uh, from a world stage. Obviously not the same as the UK capital markets or the Swiss capital markets, if you will, right, Kyle? Right. No, that makes total sense. I think that these countries are going to present a real opportunity because not only are they crypto friendly, so if you're trying to launch some product that isn't a security, you're likely going to have an easier road. But also the reality is if you're trying to offer a security, you're probably also going to have an easier road because you're actually going above and beyond even the frameworks that they're trying to establish. If you're creating an even safer investment product with even more protections for investors, even more rights provided, and even taking additional steps to provide the securities compliance that those jurisdictions would enforce, you're probably going to be able to get away with more of the types of applications that can build liquidity, that can really present true opportunities with tokenization. We talk about DeFi all the time, and maybe you're not going to have permissionless, you know, anonymous asset transfer, but something like automated market makers might be incredibly valuable. You don't need a ton of liquidity into a pool like that in order to really build some serious momentum for an asset, which could transform the landscape from a liquidity perspective, something that's just not even close to being possible in the U.S. markets. And something that's probably held the market back quite a bit. Absolutely. I mean, connecting the global economy in such a way that tokenization is doing and crypto is doing, uh, it's never before seen, right? And that's why I think we're going to kind of see, you know, two examples. We, we've seen many jurisdictions, like in Singapore especially, do a great job of creating, you know, a, a sandbox, a fintech sandbox where you can go in, uh, go to the regulators, say, this is what I'm working on. It's a, it's a crypto project. It's this use case. It's that use case. We would like to make sure that you're involved in this to know that we're doing everything above board, but we would like to, you know, launch here. Uh, and that's, again, opportunity and innovation that the U.S. is going to miss out on in the event that that is the new moniker to say, hey, we're going to do business outside of the U.S. Now, on the other hand, Kyle, we're going to see countries where there's no rules at all. Uh, and this is going to attract a different type of entrepreneur and a different type of landscape that's a little bit more focused on the freedoms and the benefits of the roots of the crypto community, if you will, uh, where, again, that's also a different barrier, a different opportunity set that, uh, you know, will be in competition in this global opportunity for where does this innovation go and say, this is where we're going to be headquartered. We've seen in many cases also, Kyle, where there's the no headquarters situation, trying to get away with the fact that, hey, we're, we're not actually anywhere, but we're also everywhere at once because we still have people on the ground who need to operate the business. <laughs> right. So they live somewhere. <laughs> um, so yeah, very interesting that I think that regardless what we would see as we talked about in our last episode that the United States would basically treat all cryptos like securities. You would trade them on brokerage, uh, broker dealers with real licenses that are approved by FINRA and forced by the SEC with a lot of oversight. Um, and that will be the reality. What will happen? We talked about there. You should check that out. But then what does that mean for the, the outside, uh, world? I don't know. The US, yeah, certainly. And I would say, and then this Kyle, that uh, I guess it will be a lot more difficult for us investors to participate in outside opportunities in these jurisdictions, because the mantra will still be, even though I'm issuing here, I don't want to touch American investors because that's going to invite the SEC after me regardless. And you have to wonder about the genie out of the bottle effect with respect to liquidity, right? So as some of this market shifts into more favorable jurisdictions and as 
some of those systems become set up and established, how likely are they to move back into the country, even if the SEC stands down a little bit or if the U.S. recognizes this stuff? Does their complacency in this really present an opportunity for other countries to actually capture serious market share that's going to be hard to walk back? And I think that that's an interesting conversation to have and to think about for the U.S., especially because as you mentioned, there's a lot of countries that are looking for guidance right now. A lot of countries that are in that kind of second field that you mentioned. There's there's our leaders, like we see with Singapore, like the UK, like other places, Japan, South Korea. But also on the flip side, you've got a lot of countries just waiting to see. And so if this works well in a lot of those other jurisdictions, they may just copy very similar frameworks, very similar systems. And then before you know it, the, the U.S. is kind of the odd one out on, on a lot of these different things. And how long will that be an effective strategy? I think you hit the nail on the head, which is, is the U.S. in a big enough and strong enough position to afford some of this, let's call it international regulatory arbitrage opportunity to leave its shores for a little while, while it gets its act together, if you sure. will, and invites back this innovation opportunity, which is, I think, absolutely going to be how it plays out. Uh, ultimately, uh, something to watch won't hurt so much for it in the end. Uh, but we're, of course, going to try to keep you week by week updated as we go. Hopefully, you enjoyed our main topic today. We're always looking for your thoughts, your feedback, your questions, uh, any of your suggestions for future topics. And with that, Kyle, we're going to get to our Companies of the Week segment. Let's do it. And to close out our show this week, we are talking about our Companies of the Week. The two businesses, Hurley and I want to shout out specifically for doing some interesting things that deserve some extra recognition and a nomination for the Company of the Year Award later down the line. Herwig, who's your winner this week? Episode 193. Well, it's got to be Nong Shop. Bank. Hopefully I'm saying that right, but I got to give it to you. NH Bank is an absolute trailblazer. Everybody knows that's been a frequent listener of the show recently that I am going crazy for South Korea. The potential in Korea is incredible for tokenization. They've emulated and I think taken advantage, Kyle, of second mover advantage, if you will, to really see what is the best way we approach this. And there is already now an STO consortium that has been led by with the top three banks and a total of 18 participants already there, only launched in April. That's the kind of traction that we're seeing with the STA Success Network, Kyle. Uh, but specifically in Korea, they are bringing together all the participants to ensure that there is a compliant, proper way that they start tokenizing and distributing these new tokenized investment opportunities. And they, of course, see that they want to create the STO you know, ecosystem out there uh, and really make sure that they have an opportunity to foster, as we just talked about on our main topic, uh, a new and uh, you know a new ecosystem for security tokens, a new big major player in finance taking advantage of the tokenization innovation. Makes total sense. Congratulations to NH Bank. You're my company of the week. Kyle, what you got? My company is staying in the APAC region. We're still in Asia, and we're talking about right. Fujitsu company out of Japan with $28 billion in revenue this year. They are launching a Web3 launchpad specifically focused on blockchain-based assets that launches at the end of June. And this comes after a year-long trial where they were doing cross-border securities settlement pilots in China, Japan, South Korea, and Southeast Asia. So they're very familiar with securities and settlement and the opportunities of blockchain. So this Web3 launchpad is only there to actually build upon a lot of the progress that they built in their test pilot cases. 
They are also working with Consensus and R3, which seems to be everywhere in this industry. And so this is really great stuff. This is a big company supporting a launch pad to bring security settlement on-chain. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic, Kyle. I think that's a, a great choice. You know, the whole point of tokenization is to be able to connect uh, countries and investor bases. And the only way to do that is to have cross-border security settlements. So Fujitsu leading the way there, love it. Great choice, Kyle. And with that, I think we can wrap up our show. It's been another great episode. Uh, we're actually just one away from our four-year anniversary, I think. Incredible. Uh, so we hope to catch you next week for what probably will be a bit of a special episode. And uh, of course, go check out stm.co for all the latest trading and information and, and happy tokenizing. Thank you.